Hello, you're listening to the IoT Weekly Podcast. And welcome to episode 37 of the IoT Weekly Podcast, brought to you by Gameforge Software. My name is Zainab, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and good friends, Cliff and Matthew. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am too. It is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awfully hot, though. <laughs> um, I know that we didn't have an episode last week, so... What? Tell us... Yeah, I know. What the Dickens, guys? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Good news. It's it's because Cliff was off on a vacation, right? Uh, Yes, I was off on vacation. Um, I was out and about. So uh, sorry about that, guys. We will try to impress you this time. So please stay around. Absolutely. Well, how are you doing, uh, Matthew? What have you been doing? What have I been up to? I have been, well, I guess I have been checking out Perl 6. Is that um, a movie? It's not, no, it's a programming language. So, you know, Perl is one of the kind of classic programming languages. It's got, uh, Perl 5 has been around for ages. Um, it's uh, used to be kind of the, the language that ruled the web before PHP took over and uh, ate its lunch. But it's always been like a, a really fascinating language, quirky. Uh, it's got a terrible reputation. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that's it's kind of unfair. Uh, modern Perl is nothing like uh, the mess that people <laughs> saw in like the year 2000. But uh, what's interesting is um, in about 15 years ago, well, I guess 17, 18 years ago now, they started work on Perl 6. Um, and it took 15 years, but they released the first version in 2015, and I've just never gotten around to looking at it. Hmm. Um, and you know, it's not something I would probably use for work, but it's got some interesting features, um, and uh, you know, it does some things really right. Uh, and I think it might actually be the best language I've seen at certain for certain domains um, because of some of the features in it. So it's just kind of you know, just kind of interesting. Well, I know, I think I've told you this before, Matthew, when I worked at Coke uh, in, the, in, the, in the financial area with, the, with that company, we used Perl all the time to rip through financial files uh, just because the speed that you could rip through those files and then, and then be able to upload those into the database is just unheard of. It's just crazy. Yeah, Perl was, uh, it was really the king of text processing. Right? Yep. Anytime you have complex text, uh, because of the regular expression engine, which existed, I mean, that was there before any other language really supported yeah. it. That was the killer feature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a yeah. lot, you know, we, we did got used to of like .NET versus Perl, and I, the, my .NET code that I wrote couldn't touch the Perl. It just oh yeah, couldn't get that fast. Yeah, for the right uh, for the right use case, Perl was definitely the right language, and yep. it still is. I mean, people use it. Uh, it's it's widely used in academics. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still massive, you know, huge websites that are powered by it. Um, but, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's been declining in popularity. What I think is interesting is Perl 6 has some killer features that I just haven't seen anywhere else, like uh, math that actually works. And, um, you know, floating point math is, is basically wrong. <laughs> you have to be super yep. careful with it in every programming language. You do. 
and they did it right. So it kind of does what you think it should. Um, and it's got this amazing grammar engine that like blows the roof off of anything I've seen. Hmm. Uh, so again, if you're doing complex, um, basically any complex text uh, where you have to parse complex text, it allows you to define a grammar to do that. And it's really clean and neat and kind of amazing. So I don't, I don't imagine it's going to see widespread adoption. You know, it's not going to, you're not going to see it at the top. Probably a, a niche kind of industries or niche type scenarios are you thinking right now? I'm thinking science. I'm thinking like if you have heavy text processing needs, it might actually sure. be pretty amazing for that. Yep. Uh, and I'm thinking, uh, well, you mentioned this one, but financial. Yeah. That's yeah, probably that one. Financial. Yeah. And then uh, there, one other thing that I thought was really interesting is it's adopted all of the, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the tried and true best um, asynchronous patterns. Hmm. And so on top of those two killer features, you also have this sort of ability to very easily parallelize things. Um, so, you know, again, and like, you can imagine you want to parse through massive, massive, massive amounts of data as, for example, in data science. Might be perfect for that. Yeah, I could, I could see that. That'd be a great spot, potentially. So is, is Perl 6 ready to be used? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been production ready since December 25th, 2015. Wow, nice. That's cool. I would say I'd love to go check it out, but that is not on my checkout list, man. No, it is not on your list, no. It is well, it's, not. And it's going to be a long time before it does. <laughs> it's probably something I will not spend very much time with because uh, I don't have any of those needs right now. But I did think it was super interesting. And um, like I just kept reading features and I'm like, wow. The other thing is it's probably the most complicated programming language I've ever seen. <laughs> so, so with all that power comes a pretty steep learning curve. I believe it. I totally believe it. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. Cliff, how about you? Well, just like Zainab alluded to, I, uh, I was on vacation, so sorry about the show, guys, but uh, I do, uh, on occasion, leave. Um, this time, uh, I didn't have connectivity, uh, similar to the time I was in, in Mexico trying to do this, um, but I actually went to Maine. Uh, we ate lots of lobster, and it was delicious. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. Uh, and it was a soft-shell lobster, not a hard-shell lobster. Hmm, interesting. Yep. Uh, so we, we kind of touristed around Kennebunkport and uh, really spent a lot of time in a campsite with zero Wi-Fi. So I had no connectivity for a week. So it was, it was, it was something. Uh, no, no internet. I think I cracked my computer open one time, Matthew, um, hoping to get a signal and was unable to get a signal whatsoever. Well, you know, it's good to get away from the keyboard sometimes. It is. Um, and then we stopped in Niagara Falls uh, on the way back. I've never been there before. So that was, that was pretty impressive. We did the boat and got soaked. Um, and then I don't know if I mentioned this on the show or not, but we have a new puppy um, that's been taken up a little bit of time uh, named Chewy. So now we have a Chewy, uh, a Yoda, and a Zoe. So Zoe's a Chihuahua and Chewy and Yoda are, uh, are two bigger fellas. So that's, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could call him Chewy, you could call him Poopy, you could call him Pee. It's all uh, it's what he is right now. Is he one of the puppies that you fostered at one point? He is one of the puppies that we fostered in the litter of eight. So uh, we ended up keeping one of the puppies out of that group. It's just 
it's it's just one of those is like I had forgotten the work involved with the puppy and and you get the puppy and you're like oh boy it's some work so and and Zina when we talk I'm gonna ask you what you did but when we had talked last you had an opportunity to go potentially um, to Tatooine. <laughs> to Tatooine. Did you end up doing that or not? Well, um, the conference happened, uh, let's see, two days ago, three days ago, less than two days. And sadly, there was no follow-up on that invitation. I, I think they ended up getting different speakers. So I did not end up going to Tatooine. But, oh. um, but winter is the time to go because it gets super hot in the summer so i think i'll still be able to go to tatooine and i'll definitely share photos then because it looks just as amazing all right so what have you been up to zainab oh man it was <laughs> well here's the thing i have a, a friend whose father is a farmer and so we went with her to the middle of nowhere uh to collect almonds and i should have known it was it would be kind of scary it was after sunset so we we got lost on the way and we ended up in this strange graveyard uh, at 10 p.m there's no light it was out of the city it was the countryside there's nothing mm. it takes a wrong turn and up there with the um the front lights there's just a bunch of graves and everyone just screams <laughs> so we ended up picking almonds at in the graveyard well, no, her farm oh. is pretty close, but it, there's an interesting story behind the graveyard that would take up way too much time for the podcast. Oh. So. It's, so is it better to pick almonds at 10 p.m. at night? I, I've never picked almonds before. Well, I mean, I, we have an almond tree right next, right here, right outside of the house. Um, I would say it's only better because one of the people with you will start whistling the Jason song. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the night and you'll just be random it's it gets better at night it's there are better stories to tell i bet there <laughs> are it's a better experience absolutely and then you get to munch on the elements so i'm not complaining hmm. but yeah um i mean aside from that we there there's been some feedback right we did we've got a little yeah. bit of feedback um, so just a side note, if you've got feedback, please feel free. You can shoot us a message at podcast at gearforgesoftware.com, or you can find us on Twitter at, at gearforgeiot. Um, but I wanted to thank Patrick Burma for reaching out. Uh, he wanted to share the Vantic platform, and that is V-A-N-T-I-Q.com. So take a look at it. Um, we're going to chat with, uh, or I'm going to chat with Patrick to learn more about the platform. Uh, but if you're curious about uh, a, a platform with regards to IoT development, take a look at Vantic. So again, it's V-A-N-T-I-Q.com. So thank you, Patrick, for reaching out. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, we also have, we also have a show sponsor. Would you believe it? What? We do indeed. <laughs> Our show is sponsored by GearForge Software. GearForge Software is an IoT consultancy that works with companies that are ready to make their company smart. If you are looking for a partner that will live, eat, and breathe your project, then look no further than GearForge Software. You can learn more at gearforgesoftware.com. And thanks so much to our show sponsor. Yeah, thank you. I like the swag that I got. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Some amazing shirts. Mm -hmm. So it's time for some news, you guys. 
Ooh, yeah. I am ready. It's been a while. <laughs> like it has. <laughs> so we just wanted to bring a, a really quick update. Uh, we reported on uh, Chirp a few weeks ago. And uh, if you remember correctly, this was Chirp was all about transmitting data via audio, right? Correct. That's what the SDK was. And it looks like uh, hitting the news this last week, uh, they are um, basically connecting this to Microsoft Azure. I'm not sure the details of this, but uh, we did think it was newsworthy, so I wanted to mention it. And there's an article. I'm sure you can find numerous press releases about this. But there's an article on internetofbusiness.com um, explaining kind of the outline of, of what's going on and a video up on YouTube uh, that you can, it's uh, called Chirp Your Device into Azure IoT Central. So you can check it out. Oh, nice. Or you could chirp it out. You can chirp it out. <laughs> uh, so Zynab, yes. want to tell us about uh, how I, uh, insurers are using IoT? Well, I mean, if you're like me or uh, Frederick, uh, Frederick Cole here, the writer of the article. If you have a really old house that sometimes gets flooded by the evil dishwasher, then you might be excited about the smart way for insurers to leverage IoT in smart homes. Um, so what this is basically about is um, a comp an insurance company, Travel Travelers Insurance, um, has a partnership with Notion uh, to provide customers with IoT sensors so that they can minimize and prevent damage to homes by automatically reporting problems. And so uh, this article is all about talking about all the ways that the sensors can do that. And what you can do is have around the house like mo moisture sensors, maybe noise sensors, things like that to help you discover problems before they happen um, in addition to potentially fixing them. The problem he mentions is um, the evil dishwasher uh, where it ruined the entire floor and everything like that. So. Uh, he mentions that it might have been better if it either alerted him to the problem at the beginning, it would be a very simple sensor for moisture, um, or it would have actually stopped uh, the dishwasher halfway through, so it would just stop the problem spreading further. And it's it's very interesting uh, because you think it's kind of like a like a kind of an obvious solution, but it's not even widespread yet. So, what do you think? It's interesting. You know, when I think of insurers. I think about like what is it called, Cliff? Actuarial tables. Yeah, yeah. Where where basically they they gather a bunch of data about people generalized, right? Yeah. Um, and because basically they're trying to sort of mm, they're trying to sort of outwit the risks, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in in order to understand how to make money off of this business, and so I think, I mean, the first impression is, don't you think IoT would be great for insurers just because of the data? Yeah. Well, and I actually spoke with a insurance company. Oh gosh, when was that? A couple of weeks ago. Hmm. And they're interested in it from an agricultural standpoint. Really? Yeah. So he, they were really looking at it just, and they were thinking of a way to essentially get ahead of the market by, by leveraging some IOT aspects. They know it's going to cost, but it, it would essentially uh, allow them to be kind of known for the smart side of things and reduce paperwork and things like that by leveraging IoT. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder, I think the hard part 
is it's like you've got to get a relationship between the insurer and so this is more of a business scenario is what I'm thinking here Matthew you need to find some way to make it so that way the insurance company essentially sponsors it makes me think of so like progressive right where yeah if you put that little device on your car and it shows that your driving habits are better they're willing to give you a discount on your car insurance, right? Yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law has that, except I think it's through State Farm, but oh, same sure. concept. Yep, yeah. yep, exactly. So in, in my head, it's like, if you had these devices in your house, right, and maybe the insurance company gives you a break off a of price or something like that, but if, but if you had this, they would give you a discount off of insurance because mm -hmm. they know it's being actually monitored um, uh, by let's say another company or something like that. So they, I, w I, I wouldn't see the insurance company actually doing the monitoring, but I, I'm sure they could. Mm -hmm. but it reminds me of like a security company or something like that, but more of like a, a company that their job is just to monitor for um, like fire or any of this other stuff. So are you saying that infrastructure for something like this could already be set up through security companies? I think, I, I don't know why it couldn't, right? Because a lot of them already have devices and way to communicate back to their system and they already have a system in place with folks that are actually monitoring. I, I really yeah. think that might be a, a good spot if they, mm -hmm. but I don't know if they're even thinking about this. Yeah, that's interesting. So I have, um, I have a security system um, and our like, is it is it called three Dachshunds? <laughs> is that the name of your security? <laughs> it's not the Dachshunds, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay. But they they serve as a second layer of defense. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we've got uh, you know we've got alarm system through ADT and yep. our fire alarm and carbon monoxide are also hooked up to that. Sure. I don't know why you couldn't have other sensors though, right? Like I was just thinking about what if uh what if in your attic like along the roof line you had moisture sensors you know sure. so if even the smallest amount of moisture something you wouldn't normally notice right uh because it hasn't it hasn't leaked that far but it would show up on a sensor that might be able to trigger an alert and say hey you better check the attic you know and before all the damage is done. My sister, her washer did something very similar to this article where they were talking about the dishwasher, mm -hmm. um, where they started it and it ended up going crazy and it ended up flooding all the way into their basement. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if they would have had something just on the floor in their laundry room, it would have picked it up, mm -hmm. like on the back of the washer itself. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know why you couldn't, you would think that would be something you could hook right up to an existing like ADT. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, with every, with everything that, almost everything that we discuss here, there's always a security issue about privacy and all that, but I'm not seeing that being a problem here. No, I think most folks would, they're, they're, as long as it's not like tracking other stuff, if it's really just about alerting you to an issue, mm -hmm. I mean, from a business standpoint, this sounds like an opportunity. If it's, if, I'd be shocked if someone's not already doing this, Matthew. Yeah, for the right, per, yep. right company, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's really interesting. Yeah, great find. So, uh, Cliff, how's IoT helping marketers? Um, yeah, really interesting here. Uh, so, uh, in, in, in a part of my life, I, I, I live some marketing a little bit, and it looks like uh, it's coming back to the concept of your retailers trying to figure out ways to leverage IoT devices to gather data 
and enrich essentially the customer's overall experience. Hmm. And so um, what kind of data? Um, well, I think it, it's, that's, that's, that's really, I mean, the, the interesting piece that really doesn't dive into some of the specifics in the article itself around the data pieces, um, uh, as far as that's concerned, but I think it's, it's, it's reminds me more of the geofencing that you and I have talked about, Matthew. So mm -hmm. you go to a store, it's geofenced, they know you come in. And, and maybe they track your, your, where you're at within the store if you're always going to the clearance racks, right? Well, then from a marketing standpoint, it would probably make sense to start sending you some digital marketing like email about sales specifically on clearance. Or if you're always going to, let's say, I don't know, shoes. Well, let's maybe increase your shoes advertisements. Don't leave out the rest because they're probably opportunities uh, with secondary items, but you could really cater to that customer within that. Uh, the big thing that they talk about here is don't be the Furby creepy kind of um, uh, creepy factor. So you creep the customers out because again, it comes back to the information about what is being tracked, right? And then right. And also uh, about what is being hacked. So <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the, the, it talks about here is like the introduction of Furby gave rise to a series of smart toys that can listen to conversations and watch activity using cameras. Um, yeah, that's not creepy at all. No, no, not whatsoever, right? <laughs> no. and, and I'm sure that security-wise, they're not awesome. But it's like, hey, start small, focus on a concept that, that you can actually then drive additional marketing, like from a digital standpoint, to potentially cater to that customer. And, hmm. and if you do this properly, it shouldn't be any additional overhead because it's all uh, programmatically done, Matthew. That's so cool. it, the way they look at it is, a, is an opportunity to increase revenue um, by essentially leveraging a lot of the infrastructure you already have, but maybe connecting mm -hmm. a few more dots. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing how much information you can get just by following customer around the store. Because, yep. Yeah, they stop for too long, we don't buy anything that that's a problem, the placement of products, things like that, that can be easily changed. And it's, it's not necessarily invasive, um, so like you're not just... Yeah, so when you're not doing the weird Furby stalking. Yeah, precisely. The weird Furby stalking. The yep, weird, weird Furby stalking. stalking. <laughs> you gotta do the yeah. tasteful stalking. Yeah, exactly. the tasteful. It's much more subtle and hard to notice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, I did want to just mention this next article really quickly. I don't think there's much to discuss here, but there was the news this week that Microsoft and Amazon are kind of... Uh, I guess they're, they're rolling out some uh, some kind of partnership in which uh, they're going to allow Alexa and Cortana to talk to each other, <laughs> more or less. Really? Uh, so yeah, yeah. So you're going to be able to access features, uh, uh, you know, fr from one to the other. Essentially, I don't know huh. what at what level these will share technology, but I thought it was interesting. And the article, um, Zainab, that you found on this from again InternetOfBusiness.com mentions that. Uh, this is probably due to the fact that uh, mm -hmm. they're worried about Google. What, you know, Google had that big announcement this year, right? Where yeah. they, they displayed that uh, the assistant making the call. We talked about it on the show. Oh, uh, yeah. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. They were booking, booking the hair uh, appointment. The hair appointment, right. And it's, it's almost creepy how good it was. <laughs> it sounded like... So here's what I want to do, Matthew. I want to teach... Uh, a new skill so that I come home and they're like, 
they're bickering back and forth and, and oh sitting that would be so vulgar, cool like uh, sitting vulgarity vulgaries back and forth and like yeah. just uh <laughs> just battling it out i think that would be freaking hilarious well and you remember we we uh, reported on that alexa powered um whiskey decanter yep a few oh. weeks ago so that could get in the mix too because it was supposed to be kind of sassy so oh yeah that'd be great <laughs> Come yeah, on, I'm like thinking. all your iot devices are fighting Exactly. So you'd be like asking Cortana to do something and Alexa would be like throwing sass. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. Alexa gets sassy. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, again, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, I don't have a whole lot of place for these technologies in my life. I do not use voice recognition very much at all. Neither do uh, I. But my son does. And so it'll be interesting to see once these kids grow up. Uh, you know, that uh, technology is going to become more and more central. So. I would think so, potentially. Yeah, probably. So this next article uh, is about autonomous cars. Uh, basically, this is, uh, there was a survey done by Brookings, the Brookings Institute. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I'm going to just put this whole thing in a nutshell because there, you know, there are kind of lots of details that I think probably aren't very interesting. And if you're interested in them, you can go read the article. Uh, but essentially, they've been doing these surveys, and there was a tendency toward, you know, users were feeling more likely to be, ride in an autonomous vehicle, and then all of a sudden, there's been a decrease. And uh, so that seemed notable, basically, that now that the technology is getting out there more, maybe the uh, our comfort level with it is less. And I wonder, there have been some really high profile cases over the last year or two mm -hmm. where um, autonomous vehicles have done the wrong thing and somebody's died and or uh, people got lazy. Like, I don't remember which manufacturer it is, but one of them uh, has a semi-autonomous mode where you still have to drive it, but it kind of does most of the work for you. But I think really? the problem there is, yeah, I want to say it's, uh, what's the big uh, electric car? Tesla. 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 I feel like it was Tesla. But it, it was like not, um, you know, it's not fully autonomous. You can't stop driving. Hmm. You still have to be the driver. But I think my, my, my concern about that is it's easy to sort of get lazy, right? It's like, well, it does most of the work. <laughs> um, and so I wonder if just the, you know, the reality of some of these things happening has uh, has changed people's opinions on it. I would love a self-driving Porsche. So if you want to get me one, Matthew, please do. All right. I'll uh, put that on your Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I personally, I would just be happy having adaptive cruise control at this point. That's right. uh, That would be enough for me to, to make me happy. I, I, I don't know if I need an entirely self-driving car, um, mm -hmm. sounded really cool. I, I've watched a lot of videos where you see them driving and everything else. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, that's, that's intriguing. So I think this will ultimately be awesome and, uh, way safer when they, when they get it all figured out. I mean, it's probably way yeah. safer now, honestly, because people are just crazy. Well, in, in my head, I see a future where it's like, uh, well, you don't even own a car, right? You just dial up a car when you need it. It drives right. yourself to you. And, um, you don't have to worry about that. That's yeah. that's what I see in the future. No, I like that a lot. I mean, we're maybe 60 years out from that, but God, that'd be great. Zainab, what about you? Would you ride in one? <laughs> I mean, I would, just not where I live. Um, it's <laughs> basically New York on steroids because 
I see my mom driving. It's it it gets very colorful. Yeah, really. <laughs> I bet. It's yeah. The taxis are crazy. Um, everything is quite crazy, uh, and you have to maneuver, which is why I haven't gotten to getting my own permit yet. Well, I was telling Cliff a few weeks ago a story about one of our trips to San Francisco for work. Um, uh, I was out there with, uh, with a, co a coworker, Stephen, and we took a cab and we got the craziest cab driver. He, I mean, we thought we were going to die and he was definitely high on something. Uh, it was terrible. We, we were just convinced like that we're not, we're not going to make it. We did make it, but I, I think about that. And it's like, I would way rather have a robot drive me than that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I would totally do it. I would totally do it. I mean, I oh, definitely yeah. had my friend uh, drift in his car in the middle of the highway. So. Oh. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, we were down in Savannah, Georgia with some friends in very similar scenario to that, Matthew. Uh, the guy that picked us up, he... Um, he had uh, definitely enjoyed something prior to, to picking us up. And I personally would have preferred just an autonomous vehicle at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, it, it is really interesting technology and it'll be, I'll be curious to see how it winds up kind of playing out. I mean, legally too. Of I, I, I heard, um, I was listening to another podcast. This was probably six or six to 12 months ago. And they were talking about, I believe it was uh, Mercedes uh, that basically given it, it had been leaked, I guess, that they, their sort of autonomous vehicle technology was designed basically if, if it had to make a choice between the safety of the driver and the safety of somebody who wasn't in the car, it would take, it would sort of choose in favor of the person in the car, not, so not the pedestrian, <laughs> right? Um, that's, I mean, that's but, really interesting because those scenarios arise. Yes. And think about that. It's sort of an interesting, like philosophical question, isn't it? Like as oh, a programmer, wow. I have to program it to That's decide a great scenario right i just yeah i thought it was super interesting like, what if a bicyclist jumps out in front of you and from a car standpoint you know based off of calculations you can't slow down you could turn to the right and hit a wall right yeah but that potentially could injure your passenger that or, is exactly the scenario or, or well not even a wall let's say you're in the middle lane of traffic mm -hmm. you could run into cars on both sides i mean i could see that happening Yes, or, or you can run over the biker. Programmer who designed wow. the decision algorithm makes that decision. And so somebody, there's a product manager somewhere at the car company making that choice. And that's interesting and crazy, right? <laughs> it is. I mean, so, that, wow. Like, I feel like there should be a TV show about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, Matthew. Yeah. So, so anyway, I just, uh, I thought that was, um, it was just interesting to see that the support uh, for autonomous cars, which had been increasing, has now sort of dropped. And hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's all of our news. Um, if you do have any feedback for us, we would love to hear from you. You can shoot us a message at podcast at gearforgesoftware.com. 
Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at GearForgeIoT. And when I say us, I really mean Zainab. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty amazing. Thank you, Zainab. Yes, thank Managing you, Zainab. The, the Twitter and, and really appreciate it. And Matthew, on a side note, I believe yeah. we're on YouTube now. Is that correct? That is yeah. true. We do have a channel on YouTube. Um, we are working to encode our back episodes, our old episodes. So those will be up there too. But we are posting all the new episodes to YouTube. So uh, you can look for us there too, if that's more convenient for you. All right, well, that just about wraps things up. Do you guys have anything fun planned for the weekend? Zainab, how about you? Oh, I wish I could. The thing is, when I say I'm going to the beach, everyone thinks it's fun. Uh, the sun disagrees. So <laughs> we're going to try to, yeah, we're going to try to use up all the sunscreen, spend the weekend at the beach, even though it seems cloudy and it seems there's a storm coming up, which is very strange. Hmm. But it's going to be a fun weekend. Sounds what about great. you, Matthew? Well, so I have a subscription to O'Reilly's Safari Bookshelf, which is, it's Ooh. like technical books online, basically. And I have a whole bunch of books shortlisted that I want to take a look at. Um, but I just haven't had time the last few months. So that is definitely on my weekend list. I want to take a look at some, maybe uh, read about some new technologies or something that I've just been interested in. So. That sounds like a ton of fun. You have to let us know. I know I'm going to ask you specifically which ones you sound cool. Because then I just wait and then I'll read up on them. Yeah, I've got so many. I mean, I probably have so many bookmarked that I, even if I did nothing but read, I would, I would uh, never finish all of them before I die. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll get a few anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about my bookshelf too, to be fair. <laughs> uh, Cliff, how about you? Well, um, for those of you who think that I'm 20-something, I am not, um, because I actually have a grandson. Wait, really? I know, Zaina. It's hard to believe that I'm not 20. With I assumed you were at, at most 42. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm actually 43, I think, um, and wow. I actually have a grandson. So, uh, Such an old man. I know, I know. So Skyler, he's coming over tonight, uh, and I tell you, it's been a long time since I've watched a baby, uh, yeah. especially overnight. I'm a little, a little foreign to that. Uh, you kind of forget, don't you? Like, oh gosh, I don't know the last time I've changed a diaper, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. uh, I so sadly this, do. <laughs> you, oh, there you go. So this, so this should be pretty interesting. We're uh, we're watching them tonight and bringing them back to to my daughter in the morning. So uh, we'll have breakfast in. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, just I've got a little apprehension. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Get a little, uh, yeah, little, little case of the nerves there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah. much more comfortable with the puppy than I am with the baby. <laughs> oh, it's like riding a bike, Cliff. <laughs> In the worst case scenario, there's Google. So oh, what's the worst that's that's right. that, Matthew, <laughs> and we'll bring Scholar over to your house for a night. <laughs> No, I didn't volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again for next week's show. And until then, so long and be well. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye.